my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Victor Christian Fellowship. You've come to a church, but you're going to get an encounter with God today because our God is real and he is here in our midst and he is ready to save and do great and mighty things. So, Father, we call upon you in the name of Jesus, and we give you the high praise. Lord, we bless the name of Jesus. Thank you for your spirit being here and for the work that you're going to do. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Father, stand together. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise 
over the medical system in our region, over the political system, over the churches, in the name of Jesus. Come on. Freedom is in the house today. We worship you in this place, God. We lift up the name of Jesus. That is higher than any other name. We say the name of Jesus is greater. It can ruin the enemy's plan right now from where we are. We send out the word of God and we say break. chain breaker. Yeah. I'm a burden remover. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 
maker of freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you need to shout a little bit more. Praise the Lord. performer of signs and wonders and you're the one who's here Lord we celebrate your presence in this place we thank you that you are in our midst you are among us and Lord you're speaking to us The Lord said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. It's a time of drawing. The Lord is saying, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out of the world. I'm calling you to myself. I'm calling you into your destiny. I'm calling you into your future. I'm calling you out of darkness. I'm bringing you into the light. I love you. I want you. I want a relationship with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And if he's calling you out, just answer the call. Don't put him on hold. Don't let, it, don't let the answering machine pick up. You answer his call. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we're having a time today. This is normal in heaven. Amen. You know, heaven, we can have heaven on earth until we get to heaven. Glory to God. We can have the presence of the Lord. Amen. His power is flowing in this place. His power is present in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, if you can, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Whoo, man. And we're just getting started today. But there's more to come. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I've, I've, been, I've known Jesus for a long time, and he, doesn't, he is not boring. He is the most exciting person I've ever met. And uh, 
I'm so glad that I'm part of his family. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And he's still taking, there's still openings available. Yes. <laughs> there's room for you at the table. Amen. Amen. Our God's got a big house. Yes. And it's not filled yet. All right, so what we like to do here at VCF is we like to speak the word. Yes. As believers, Jesus gave us authority to speak the word, so we want to invite you to make our confession of faith together based on the word of God. Let's make our confession. The Lord, the Lord is our strength, strength might, and power. We, we praise and exalt him. him. The, the creator, creator of heaven and earth does not become tired or grow weary. If we are weary, God gives us strength and increases our power. As we wait on the Lord, we receive strength, and our power is replenished. With the Lord's strength, we will run and not become weary, and we will walk and not grow tired. We will carry out the Lord's will. God's grace is sufficient for every challenge, and His power is perfected in us. We have Christ's power abiding in us. We boldly decree that we are strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. We do all things right in his sight. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are ready for anything because we are infused with the Lord's power and might. The Lord is our rock and our fortress, and he rescues us from trouble. We trust in him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, BCF. I don't know about you, but it is hot in here. (laughs) My whole body is on fire. Okay, where we at? Wednesday. (laughs) This Wednesday is March 22nd, and we will be welcoming our guest speaker, Reverend Sushil Kumar, who is a Rama director in India. And he brings the fire of God with him. I mean, it's already here, but it it is magnified. So I encourage you to invite somebody and to experience that because it will be something like you have never seen before. Okay. And then this Saturday, March 25th, is Barnabas. That's the men's breakfast. And um, their tagline, which I honestly just realized that they had, says, Stronger faith, stronger walk, and stronger relationships. So that is what you get when you come to Barnabas, and that is on Saturday at 8.30. And it just so happens to be Pastor Nelson's birthday that day, too. <laughs> Woo! So I'm sure it'll be extra, extra, extra special. <laughs> All right, and then we are into April. So Saturday, April 1st, is our community egg hunt, and that's always a blast. People from the community come, kids come. And it's at 11 a.m., and we are looking for volunteers, people to participate. So if you are willing to help out, you can see Miss Lisa for more details. All right. Also in April is our women's conference. 
right. And that is Dr. Fiona Pishka and Pastor Patty Akui. They're coming on April 21st and 22nd. And the theme is healing and restoration. You can sign up online or in the bookstore. We are going to have such a wonderful time. So I encourage you to come and invite people as well. And then just an update for Bless the Children Home, right? That's also an opportunity to participate. Big things are happening there, right? They've been building bridges for their new land. And um, the back wall along the home was um, the foundation was collapsing. So they are repairing that so that way, you know, they have a good place to play in the back and don't have to worry about the ground falling into the canal, okay? So, and they, the guy who has been doing all the work, he works fast and he is good. So I encourage you that, you know, you can donate towards that and it's a great place to help the children. Okay, that's announcements. I learned about race cars. I am so excited because I was like, why can't we just drive those on the road? Like, I like to go fast, but <laughs> there there are reasons why, and that's what I was looking at. So they have, like, they call them the dragsters, right, like top fuel dragsters. Fastest recorded time for doing the quarter mile is 3.3677 seconds. They recorded the top speed of, like, 340 miles an hour in a quarter of a mile. Like, is it, that is so awesome. Okay, so the cars are specially designed in order to do that. First off, they have, like, big back tires because that's where all, like, the power comes from. So the front tires, they don't even really need to steer. They're kind of just there, I learned. Like, it's just to kind of keep them a little bit straight because it's such a short distance. I mean, for three seconds, you don't even need the front tires mostly. <laughs> yeah, so they're, like, real skinny, okay? They're, like, this big. Um, and so the rear tires have, like, all the power. And there's so much. So I learned that the engines, you know, they specially build them, and they have to actually rebuild them after every race. Yeah, every single race they have to rebuild the engine because it gets so hot on the inside that it basically it melts. The flames that eject from the sides like this. Okay. <laughs> They, they don't come out the back like a regular exhaust. They are, they are shooting outwards and upwards, right? Those flames, they record the temperatures at 7,500 degrees. It's over 7,000 degrees. So it's even hotter on the inside. I don't know if they can measure it or not. But the engine melts, okay? So they have to rebuild it every single time. But the even crazier thing is those engines are only held on by little clamps on the inside. There's no chains. There's no, like, tubes, like, holding that thing down. It's literally, I think it's just gravity, honestly. Like, the force of them driving, it just stays there. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) And so they have so much power, and what they have is they also have special fuel because they don't use, like, diesel and regular gas. They have what's called, I think it's called nitrous methane. I forget the second word, but it's nitrous something. And they use 11, it said each pass that they do takes about 11.2 gallons of this nitrous stuff. So basically, it just, like, explodes in the car. And it just, like, propels it forward. It's it's basically all that's happening, right? (laughs) Right? Okay, so I don't know if you can start to see the correlation, but we are top fuel race cars. (laughs) 
right? We ain't got no chains of us on the inside holding us down, and all we just explode every single time. You don't got to steer. You're just along for the ride, right? You are so hot on the inside. God is constantly renewing you, constantly renewing your mind, and the lowest level is hot, right? What you project is also 7,000 degrees. <laughs> up everything around us like we just be hot and drunk like all the time (laughs) right over and over and over again every time it is brand new amen (laughs) that's why we can't hang out with the world too much we'll burn them up amen you have access to so much power if you only realize it just let your eyes be opened Ask the Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see what I have not partook of from the kingdom. Amen? So that you can give permission to have access to it. Imagine if you just got all that power dumped on you and you didn't know what to do. You might blow up. So <laughs> so God is gracious. He, that's why we have the Holy Spirit on the earth because he teaches us stuff. You know, He's teaching us, this is what you do with that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So it's been a couple of weeks since I did a testimony, right? And I thought about it yesterday. I thought, wait a minute. I haven't done a testimony for a while. So it's time to do a testimony. So I'm going to ask Pastor Nadine to come up. She has no idea she's coming up. So she's going to come up. And this testimony is going to be a little different because we're, I'm not going to ask you about your born again experience. I am the person on the road. I'm on the street and I meet uh, Pastor Nadine somewhere. We don't know where. And it's a road where the car isn't, drag racing isn't happening. (laughs) So I found out that she gives money to her church. And I've never given money to a church. So I want to know, like, what's the big deal? Like, why would you give money to a church? Aren't they supposed to do it for free? (laughs) So what is your problem that you decide that you're going to give money to the church? So if I came to you and asked you that, what would you say? I give money to the church because the church belongs to my Father in heaven, and I'm giving to my Father who established his body, the church, on the earth. So this is how I give and express my love to my Father. And my Father is so awesome that he provides everything I need. He rebukes the devourer for my sake, and he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out so much blessing, not only on my church, but also on my life. And it's an example and an expression. It's a miracle sign of wonder, because if you look at the ledger, it doesn't equate. Well, she told me. (laughs) So... I know that some, sometimes that's why people don't like churches, because they heard that you have to give your money, right? So they think that if they come to church, we're going to talk about money. And I'm sorry if this is your first day and we are talking about money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you something. The number one blind spot, and I'll tell you why I said that word, because you missed Friday. If you're a woman and you weren't here, you missed it. Thank God it's recorded. You can go watch it. But the devil has set up blind spots for 
the church for people, not just church people, regular, every human. And if you can't see the light on a subject, you will remain in darkness. And many people are offended at the church about things they don't have a clue about. But they're just offended at someone else's experience, right? So that's why I'm asking Pastor Nadine what she thinks about giving money to the church because you might be surprised as, as to why people are doing it. It's not necessarily because somebody is making them do it. Like when you walk into church, we don't say, come on now, give us your money. <laughs> we provide the opportunity that God has set up in his system. Amen? Amen? Now, there's a couple types of giving I hear about in church. And they say this word I've never seen before. It's called tithe. What is that? The tithe is awesome. The tithe is 10%. So 10% of all your increase, whatever comes to you, 10%. You give to the church. It belongs to God. It's holy. It, it's his. Holy. Yeah, because it belongs to God. Our, own, our very life comes from God. So he, he asks for a tenth. It's his protection plan. It's his provision plan. We have free will. So he has to give us something that we say yes to. So I say yes to the tithe because God offers it to me, and it's more than I even know. And so I love discovering what does obeying God in the tithe do, and how does it look in my life. And I love that it's 10% because I'm not a math teacher, and I can figure out 10%. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Nadine. That's awesome. You know, (laughs) good job on the spot. So this is what I want you to understand. You need to understand why you do things. So if you're part of the kingdom of God and you're a Christian and you come to church and you do things, in the beginning, you may not know all the details of why. You may just be prompted like, I need to start doing this. But go into the Bible and research, uh, look at uh, messages. We have tons of messages online. Uh, But you find out for yourself so you are convinced and you have a revelation. This is key. When you have a revelation of something from God, the devil can't take it away from you because it has been deposited in your heart and you're not letting it go. Amen? So this is what you want to do for your own self. So you're never put in a defensive position. You're always put in, you're giving results. So you're not trying to convince someone to do what you're doing. You're just explaining what happened to you. Amen? Just like when you became born again. You can't convince somebody that now you could see things you never saw before. Because they're still in darkness, right? So they, it's like I always explain like this. It's like if you put a blind person in front of a mirror and you consistently tell them they look amazing, they look amazing, all they could do is go off of your description of what they look like, but they can't see what they look like, right? So they could only hear what you're saying and that's what they can go by. So it's the same thing with someone that doesn't understand everything about uh, God and his kingdom, how it works. They may not, um, they can't understand a lot of it, but they'll go by what you're saying about it. Amen? And they'll be watching your life for the experience. So I say if you are a giver and a tither, you want to ask God for all that comes with a giver and a tither because you are participating in it. And you always do it by faith because that's what pleases God. Faith. Faith pleases God, not just the action of doing something. 
but faith, believing that it does what it says. Amen? Amen. God bless you. And thank you for giving to Bless Turn Home. The, the, uh, this dude is fast. This carpenter guy, oh, he's fast. And he's fixing a couple other things he sees that we have hacked, literally. We built our own little things around, and he goes, you know, um, I could fix that for you, really. Please let me fix it. <laughs> That's when you know it's a master carpenter because he can't see all this mess and just walk by. So, uh, so it's going to be so much better. So if you haven't given to that project and you wanted to, I still have room for more and, uh, because it's going to good use. So a seven-foot-tall fence is going in the back. Awesome. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Amen. Well, you know, um, as people tithe to this church, this church also tithes. And we support 14 um, missionaries and other ministries every month. And uh, so it's a good God thing. Amen. And uh, giving just represents the nature of our Father. So here at VCF, we don't pass a container. But we do have two containers, one by the bookstore and one as you came in. We call those seed planters. And uh, our motto is you can give any time during the service. Everybody say any time. Any time. You could bring it in as you come. You could bring it in or leave it in as you go. And uh, even in the middle of my sermon, you can give. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I give you thanks and praise. Lord, thank you for blessing your givers. For giving them a reward of heaven, for supplying them with abundance and protection. And Lord, I call them blessed, and I thank you for their gifts, Father, as it goes into your kingdom to honor and glorify you and to spread your word, the gospel of the kingdom of God, all around the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. We do have our kids' ministry now, and we're going to dismiss our kids here in just a second. You know, um, we love kids. Amen? And uh, we are ministering to our local schools. And uh, this past Thursday, uh, five kids gave their hearts for the first time to Jesus. And uh, we bring them here during school uh, for one hour to teach them about Jesus. It's so amazing. We have uh, two schools that come, and uh, God is moving. Amen? But I want you to pray that God opens up all the other schools. We have two more elementary schools and the high school, and we got every school covered in our city. But we need uh, laborers. Amen? Volunteers, because you can't, it doesn't run by itself. So, uh, you know, if God puts it on your heart, let us know. Father, hallelujah. Okay, kids, you ready for your class? For, are you excited? All right, kids, go have a great class. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, you never want to miss... A time of gathering because you never know what God's going to do. And uh, when God's people gather, he expects to do some things. 
And uh, we love trampling on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Because nothing shall by any means hurt us as a believer. And if you have your Bibles today, I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 2. I want to ask you a question today. And I'll give you the answer as we go today. Where is God in relation to you? Where is God in relation to you? That, that might seem like a strange question, but you'll understand it here in just a minute. God is closer to you than you think. And uh, those who are with him, he is with. And uh, in 2 Kings chapter 2, it tells us of the transition story between Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was a prophet, and God had instructed him to anoint his successor, Elisha, that was going to take his place, because Elijah's ministry and time was finished, and he was about to uh, get promoted and go to heaven. Now, Elijah didn't die. He just went straight to heaven. Hallelujah. But before he left, he asked his servant Elisha, he said, what can I do for you when I go? And his servant requested the reward of a firstborn son that would receive a double portion of inheritance. And he said, I want a double portion of your anointing. Everybody say double. God wants to double up on you today. In other words, God always does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. God, God exceeds limits. You know, what we think is enough, that's, God doesn't think that that's enough. He always, he always puts more, right? There's always an abundant supply with God. So Elijah told Elisha, he said, what you ask for is a hard thing. But if you see me when I go, how many know you got to be in the right place at the right time? You're in the right place at the right time today. And uh, Elisha said, okay. And so, uh, you know, Elijah gave him opportunities to say, he said, I'm going to be going over to Gilgal. Why don't you stay here? He said, nope. I'm, where, where are you going to be? I'm going to be because I'm going to see you when you go because I want a double portion. How many want a double portion? Or are you just satisfied with what you have? The little dab will do you. No, a little dab isn't going to do you. And uh, Elisha stuck with Elijah. And uh, let's uh, pick up the story here in verse 11, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. Then it happened... As they continued on and talked, that suddenly, everybody say suddenly. You know, there are times when we could just be following God, worshiping God, and all of a sudden, something happens. Right? God's into suddenlies. A chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire uh, and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. Say, Elisha saw it. Elisha saw it. He fulfilled his commitment. Because 
the, the, the condition was, if you see me when I go, you can get a double portion. Okay? So, um, and in verse 12, Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and of its, of its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. See, because a, a prophet was signified by a particular clothing that he wore. It was called a mantle. And that identified him as a prophet, a man of God, a seer. Okay? And uh, so Elisha is getting ready to receive the double portion. He's got to tear some old things away. He's got to remove some old things so that he can get something new. Amen? You've got to put off the old man and put on the new man. All right? So, uh, and, uh, so, so he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he also took up the mantle. See, cause when Elijah went into heaven, his mantle came to the ground. Cause you don't need a mantle in heaven. You need a mantle on the earth. So Elisha, he picked up the mantle. And uh, he picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Everybody say, where is the Lord? So he took the mantle and there was the Jordan River and he struck the Jordan River. And he said, where is the God of Elijah? And God, Elisha knew that he was with him because what happened when he struck the Jordan? The the waters parted. He used the mantle and he began his ministry that he was called to do. Hallelujah. We got to take up our mantle and we got to hit some waters so that we walk because that's a breakthrough. Amen. He said, where is the God of Elijah? And when, and when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. He knew God answered his question. Where is the God of Elijah? God was saying, I'm right here with you. I'm right here in this spot. I'm right with you in this moment. Everybody say, God is with me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we know... From the Bible that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. He got a double portion. I want you to go to John 14 now. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. This is our mantle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. Hallelujah. We're going to go to John chapter 14 and verse 12. John 14, verse 12. You know, Jesus, just like Elijah, he went up to heaven. But as he was going up to heaven, he left us something. He left something on the earth. Amen? It wasn't just a something, it was a someone. Hallelujah. All right, so Jesus is telling his disciples, John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, most assuredly, I say to you. He who believes in me. How many believe in him today? All right. Say he's talking about me. 
So he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Are you ready to do what Jesus did? Because we can. As believers, we have been authorized and called to do what Jesus did. Didn't he say the works that I do, that you will do also? What works is he talking about? Raising the dead, casting out devils, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, freely giving and freely receiving. Amen? That's the works. So, Jesus said, and whatever you ask the Father, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So doing the works of Jesus, we are partnering with him. We, when we ask according to his name, right, that's in line with his will. He'll do, everybody say, he'll do it. Yeah. Say, you know, God's a doer of his own word, right? But then he goes on to say, and uh, verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper, another comforter, another counselor, another standby, another advocate, another strengthener. That's our mantle. He said, I will give you another helper, one just like me, one with my nature. That he may abide where? With you forever. Hallelujah. To answer the question, where is God in relation to you? He is with you. He is for you. He is among you. He is in our midst. He goes before us. Hallelujah. We're going to answer that question. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you know that God is with you and you are confident that God is with you, you are unstoppable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because you, you, you know that whenever you go, wherever you go, you're not going alone. You're going with someone. Someone is with you. Right? Hallelujah. It all depends on who you got in your corner. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I remember one time a minister, he, uh, he talked about, you know, he, before he knew the Lord, he liked to go to dances, Right? And he was a good-looking young man, and uh, a lot of the girls found him attractive, but sometimes that stirred up jealousy among other guys, right? And so they wanted to beat him up, but he would go to places with his big brother, and he said, he, he would, people would say, he said, he would say, come on, because he knew his brother was with him, and his brother could whip him, Right? So it gave him confidence. It put something in his walk. When we know who is with us, God is with us. He's not, he's not just a distant God in heaven. He is right here, right now. He can be anywhere at any time. He is omnipresent. Hallelujah. Number one, God is with you. Say, God is with me. Exodus 3.12. He said this. Exodus 3.12, God said, certainly I will be with, everybody say certainly. You've got to know for certain that God is with you, 
right? Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you, that is, I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve and worship God on this mountain. God was speaking to Moses. He spoke to him out of fire. You know, speaking of a dragster, God wants us hot and he baptized us in fire. Some of you need to have some more fire coming out of you. But you got to stoke up the fire that's in you. If you want more fire coming out of you, you got to stoke up the fire that's in you. But God told Moses, he said, I'm going to be with you. What did Moses, what was Moses supposed to do? Go into a, a country that he was a criminal of. Did you know that Moses was on Egypt's most wanted? He fled the country because he murdered an Egyptian. Because he saw him fighting an Israelite. And something rose up in Moses and he killed the Egyptian to free the Israelite. He knew he was supposed to free people, but he didn't know how to do it. Because, see, when you try to do things on your own, it's not going to succeed. It'll just get you in trouble. But when you do things with God, it's a whole different story. And God promised Moses, he said, I'm going to be with you. You're not going to do this alone. What, what God called you to do, he, he works with you. He works through you. And he works in you. Say, I'm not alone. Some of you that have, have had pity parties because you felt all alone. Oh, my goodness. The prophet Elijah, after he defeated the prophets of Baal, 400 of them, that Ahab and his wife Jezebel fed at their table. He promoted idolatry throughout the country. And uh, he defeated the prophets of Baal. Then he got a messenger from Jezebel who said, I'm going to kill you. And so Elijah ran, and he ended up in a cave. And God says, why are you in this cave? And he says, oh, I'm all alone. No one's with me. Later, God told him, oh, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Yes. Elijah wasn't as alone as he thought he was. Right. But you know, when you have a pity party, no one wants to come. Yeah. Don't bother sending out invitations. <laughs> God asked him, what are you doing here? Why are you here? He was running in the wrong direction. But he wasn't alone. Say, I'm not alone. Yeah. God's with you in the storm. He's with you in trouble. He's a very, the Bible says he's a very present help in trouble. Where was he when the three Hebrews were thrown into the fire? Was he looking from the grandstands? No, he was in the fire. He was in the fire with them. God is with you. The question, see, the question is, is not is God, is God with you, is are you with him? You know, God hangs around with a certain group of people. You know, God doesn't hang around with devils or demons. He doesn't hang around with liars. He doesn't hang around with drunkards. Amen? He hangs around with a certain kind of group, group of people. He hangs around with the righteous. All right? So God is with me. Amen. And uh, Psalm, look at Psalm 14.5. Psalm 14.5. Hallelujah. 
I don't know about you, but I want to hang around with God. And, you know, he wants to hang around with you. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Well, I'm not saying that you're this, but God doesn't hang around with fools. Right? He hangs around with the wise. All right? Uh, Psalm 14 and uh, verse 5. It says this. There they are in great fear, for God is with the generation of the righteous. God is with the generation of the righteous. All right? But I want you to know that God is with you. You know, when God is with you, that makes all the difference in the world. You know, we know the story of Joseph, right? As a 17-year-old boy, God gave him a dream. And in this dream, he saw his brothers bowing down and worshiping him. Then he saw the sun, the moon, and the stars. His father and mother and brothers were worshiping bowing down to him. Then he told him a dream. Well, that went over like a lead balloon, right? His brothers already hated him. They didn't like him. They were jealous of him because he walked around with this coat that his father gave him with all these colors, right? He, it was, he was a fashioner, or a, I don't know what you call that, a fashion person. Yeah. And uh, so his brothers plotted to kill him, but his oldest brother, Reuben, said, don't kill him. All right. So th- what did they do? They sold him into slavery. But you know what? He, he didn't go into slavery alone. He didn't go into slavery alone. In Genesis 39.2, the Bible says when he, he ended up in Egypt, the Bible says that God was with him. Say he was with him. Why do you think he became successful and prosperous? Because God was with him. Why do you think Potiphar took notice of him? Because God was with him. Right? See, Joseph was righteous. Joseph had a good attitude. Joseph was positive. He wasn't a whiny baby. He wasn't a complainer. Oh, he, he had right to complain, but he didn't. He never complained about his brother throwing him into a pit, lying to his father that he was dead, shipping him off to slavery. Not once is it recorded. And this Bible is true. And, and because God was with him, we know that he didn't complain. But because God was with him, things started to work out for him. But you know what? When God is with you, you have an opponent. So the devil was trying to take Joseph out, tried to take him out through Potiphar's wife. She lied about him. She lied about what Joseph did. Joseph was innocent, but yet he went to prison. But glory to God, he didn't go to prison alone. Someone was with him in the prison. God was with him in the prison. And he became in charge of the prison. And then 13 years after he had his dream, when he was 30, he spent 17, he spent 13 years in Egypt. What happened? Because God was with him, he overcame the pit, he overcame the prison, he overcame the false accusation, he overcame people forgetting about him, and God put him in the right place at the right time at the high position. Because God was with him. Say, when God is with me, things work out for me. Go to, go to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, 20. Oh, hallelujah. I better get it moving. Glory to God. Where is God in relation to you? He's with you. Genesis 28 and verse 20. Genesis 28, 20. Jacob was all alone. He had to leave his family. Why? Because his brother wanted to kill him. 
Why? Because not only did he take his birthright, but he also took the blessing. And that really made Esau upset. So his parents said, why don't you just go away for a little while? His mom thought it was going to be a short time. Well, 20 years it was. Okay? But notice what he prayed when he was alone. This was the greatest prayer that he could pray. Genesis 28:20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be what? With me. Oh, hallelujah. You know, if you're not sure that God is with you, you can ask him. If God be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat, clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth or a tithe to you. Jacob asked God to be with him. As he went to Laban's house, his uncle's house, God was with him. As he, he, he fell in love with Rachel, God was with him. And he fell in love with Rachel and he ended up with Leah. Didn't work out so well, but God was with him. So now he had two wives. Then he had four wives. Not God's plan, but God was with him. His wages were changed ten times over twenty years, but God was with him. And in the end, because God was with him, even though he went through some things, even though he experienced some bad things, because God was with him, he became richer than his boss. He, he got a divine idea on how to increase sheep. And his sheep were the strongest, the fattest. They were all the blue ribbon prize winners at the county fair. And even, Jake, even Laban's sons said, Jacob has taken all of our father's wealth. No, he didn't take it. He just did what God, see, he knew God was with him. See, when God is with you, you're going to prosper. Even though you have tough times, you're going to overcome those things. you got to know that God is with you. we got to be confident that God is with us. Where is God in relation to you? He is with you. Hallelujah. Another place that God is, God is at hand. Everybody hold out your hands. God is at hand. You can give God a high five. Amen. You can take God's hand and walk through trouble. Glory to God. Just like a little child and their father when they're about to cross the street. What do they do? They take the father's hand and they hold tightly because the father makes sure it's safe to cross. Make sure that the avenue is clear. And then they go together. Hands holding in hands. Hallelujah. God is at hand. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 14. I'll tell you what, the Bible has an answer for everything. I've got scriptures for every place where God is. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. Are you excited today? Are you glad you're here today? I'm giving you a fresh perspective on where God is in relation to you. 3014, Deuteronomy 3014. But the word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. How many has God on speed dial? You don't even need a phone. All you need is a voice. You can call on God anywhere you are in the planet. You can call on him in the mountains. 
You can call on them in the valley. You can call on them in the forest. You can call on them in the desert. You can call on God and he will always pick up. There will be no robocall. There will be no robotic answering machine says, please hold and God will, God is, your call is precious to God. But please wait and if you'd like God to call you back, leave your number. No, God picks up the phone himself. When you call, he will answer you. But you've got to call on him in truth. See, because God hangs out with truth, because he is truth. He doesn't hang out with lies or deception or falsehoods. He hangs out with truth. God is near. He's at hand. Hallelujah. Acts 2.25. Go to Acts 2.25. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Acts 2.25. For David said concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my what? Oh, hallelujah. Raise your right hand to God because he's right there. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. If you're feeling a little nervous, if, if worry is trying to grip a hold of your heart, God's hand will come on you and you won't be shaken. You'll be still when trouble's happening around you. Jesus was able to sleep when a storm was raging in the boat. How many want to be still and not shaken? You know, he's opposite of James Bond. James Bond is shaken, not stirred. But God says, my hand will come upon you that you won't be shaken. You won't be moved. There'll be a calm come over you. People won't understand why you can be so calm. The disciples didn't understand why Jesus could be so calm in the boat. Jesus knew who was with him. That means when I know who's with me, I can be calm in any circumstance. I have a peace that passes understanding. He said, moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. When David was a fugitive, he did nothing wrong except kill a giant. And the people said, Saul kills his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And that jealousy took hold of Saul and it caused a demonic spirit to enter him, to torment him. And he wanted to kill David. So he, 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 he got his armies together. He tracked down David. He tried to kill David. He, 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 he sought him out like a fugitive. David was running from Saul. Saul couldn't ever catch him. Why? Because God was with him. God was at hand. God was right there near him. Amen? Hallelujah. Then another thing, God is among you. He is among us. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Where is God in relation to you? He's among us. That means you better be careful of the conversations that you have. Because you might be talking about things that God doesn't want to hear. But he's among you. He's listening. 
If you knew God was among you, would that change your behavior? Oh, yeah. It'd get the hell out of you. I didn't cuss. Where are people going that don't know Jesus? Hell. So they got to get the hell out of them. And the only way you can get the hell out of them is through the blood of Jesus. Through a relationship with Jesus. Through accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Why? He washes you. He, he takes your rags and gives you robes of righteousness. Look at your neighbor and say, don't I look good? You are clothed in righteousness. You have a garment of praise on you. You are looking good. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 6.15. Say, God's among us. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Listen, don't kick God off. Well, I thought God is love. He is. But he's also a judge. He's a loving judge. And before judgment comes, he'll show mercy. But God gets to a point where he gets ticked off. And he'll hide his face from you. Amen? For those of you that ever raised kids, you ever get ticked off at your kids? Yeah. But you still love them, right? But you get angry sometimes. Well, God does the same thing. Say he's among us. Deuteronomy 7, 21, don't, you have, don't turn there, but it says, You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. When God is among you, he'll whoop your enemies. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. There's no army, there's no foe, there's no giant, there's no opponent that can stand against you. Why? Because God is among you. When they brought the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence, to the battlefield, the enemy had fear in their hearts. They were afraid of the Ark because that represented the power of God. And when they were walking with God and they brought that Ark, the enemy would be defeated and Israel would not, would not lose any people. They would fight all these battles and, and they, wouldn't, they wouldn't lose people as long as they did what God wanted them to do. Right? Say, God's among, me, among us. Hallelujah. Another place where God is in relation to you, he goes before you. Amen? He's a good shepherd. He leads the sheep out. Have you ever seen a shepherd and sheep? The sheep don't lead the shepherd. The shepherd leads the sheep. We got to be following Jesus, not leading Jesus. Religion tries to lead Jesus. It tries to put God in a box. It tries to say, God, you can only move this way. You can only do this thing. Religion says, if you come on the Sabbath, don't plan on getting healed. Come on another day. That's what religion says. How many people did Jesus heal on the Sabbath and people got ticked off because someone was healed? Why would you get ticked off when someone was Because you're religious. You've been religiously brainwashed. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He can do whatever he wants on the Sabbath. He he values life more than sickness. He hates sickness. He hates disease. He hates infirmity. He hates illness. Why do you think he took 39 stripes on his back? 
That was for every sickness and disease to break the curse of it. Why do you think he went about healing people? Because he hates sickness. He loves life. He promotes life. God goes before you. Deuteronomy 1.30. Hallelujah. Just a little tidbit. Deuteronomy is the most quoted Old Testament book. It's called the second law. Deuteronomy 1 verse 30. It says this. The Lord your God who goes before you. He will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Devon here, he's going to go into a battle. And the Lord says, no, 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 I got this. Let me go before you. Go ahead. You know, when you send a champion prize out who's never lost a fight, never will lose a fight, to go before you, you just tell the enemy, say, come on, bring it on. He goes before you and he whoops the enemy. Any enemy against you. God told Jehoshaphat, hey, this isn't your fight. He said, I just need you to show up, but I'll take care of the fighting. So what did Jehoshaphat do? The strangest military strategy ever. Okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send the praises out before the warriors. I mean, you're not going to send spears? No. You're not going to send swords? No. You're not going to send chariots? No. Praise. Praise. So the praisers, they're out there before the warriors. I bet the enemy was like, what are they doing? They're praising God, and all of a sudden, the enemy gets confused. The enemy forgot who they were fighting against, and they started fighting against themselves. Praise will confuse your enemy. Praise, when you send praise to the battlefield, the enemy doesn't know what to do. And all Jehoshaphat did, they show up to the battle, and all the enemy was dead. And it took them three days to gather the spoil. Three days. But when God goes before you, all you got to do is gather spoil. I'll take this jewel. I'll take this clothes. I'll take this gold. I'll take this silver. Hallelujah. Because why? God goes before you. Where is God in relation to you? He goes before you. You don't show up at the battlefield like, I'm going to try this. No, you show up on the battlefield. I got someone with me. I I know someone in high places. I know someone that has all the authority in heaven and earth. You want to mess with me? Come on. Because you're not, you got to go through him to get to me. Hallelujah. Where is God in relation to you? He goes before you. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 9 3 says he goes before you like a consuming fire. Woo! <laughs> the fire doesn't burn up you, but it burns up your enemies. Woo! How many's ever lit a match uh, on a matchstick, right? You, you see how shriveled up, like a, the wood matchstick? When you light it and you let it burn, you see how shriveled up that stick gets when the fire hits it? That's what your enemies look like after God gets done with them. They're a shriveled matchstick. They, and, and have you ever seen a shriveled matchstick? You can, you can flick it and it breaks apart. You can flick the enemy. Why? Because he's been consumed by the fire of God. 
He goes before you like a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Mm. (laughs) Where is God in relation to you? He's in our midst. He's in our midst. Look at Psalm 46, 5. Psalm 46, 5. My goodness. God is doing something in here in this place. <laughs> when, you, when you have this information and it gets in your heart, it's a game changer. You could face anything that the enemy could throw at you. Sickness. Let the healer go before you. Lack. Let the provider go before you. Chaos. Let the peacemaker go before you. You know, in the Old West, they carried the cult peacemaker. We got a peacemaker. Hallelujah. And he's got more than six rounds. Glory to God. We're armed with a peacemaker. We're armed with a nuclear arsenal against the enemy. Hallelujah. Called the Holy Ghost. We got the, he who was in us is greater than he who was in the world. We're armed with the nuclear arsenal. Glory to God. Psalm 46, 5. Talking about the tabernacle of the Most High. Guess what? We're the tabernacle. We're the temple of the Most High. Look at verse 5. For God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Hallelujah. Say, God is in my midst. That means... You could stand on the promise and nothing can move you. Because I'm going to, God promised me this and I'm going to get it. And I'm going to stand on it until I feel it. Until I can put my hands on it. Amen. I'm standing and I'm not moving. I'm not moving to the right. I'm not moving to the left. I'm standing my ground. Why? God is in my midst. Go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Are you getting something out of this today? I, I, Mm, I got some fire in me. I was at a drag race last night. Not not actually, but spiritually. I got some flames coming out. I don't know about you, but God wants to do something in this city. And he'd like to use you. Amen. How many volunteer for service? Say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Hallelujah. Matthew 18, verse 19. Matthew 18, 19. Who's talking here? Jesus. Does Jesus know what he's saying? Yeah, he's an expert. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning Anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Why? Verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am where? In the midst. He's not in the mix, but he's in the midst. That means we're gathered here together today in his name. That means he's in the midst. 
When he is in the midst, people get saved. People get healed. People get delivered. People are encouraged. People are built up and strengthened. Amen? People get, get correct direction. You know, people who are without God are just simply wandering. They're flopping around like a fish out of water. In order to hit your destiny, you need God. He's the only one to get you to where you need to be because he knows where you're going. Because he made you on purpose. He has a purpose for your life. It's time to get in God's purpose. Amen? So God is in our midst. Another place that God is in relation to you, God is for you. Oh, he is your greatest cheerleader. He is your greatest encourager. Say, God is for me. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. And look at verse 31. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for you, who can be against you? What is the answer to that question? If God is for you, who can be against you? The big bad devil? No. He's already been defeated. How about a mountain? No, you can move it. How about an obstacle? No, you can cross it or you can crush it, whatever you need to do. Right? Can an army stand against you? No. Gideon proved that. 300 versus 120,000. 300 won. They won because they were crackpots. Oh, you didn't know Gideon was a Christian crackpot. Well, he divided his forces, 100, 100, and 100. God told him to light a a candle in in a pot. And when they were gathered, they, they were supposed to say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and they broke open those pots. They were crackpots. And when the light shined in the camp of the Midianites, they were done. And three, they were whipped with 300 men chasing them. Midianites had 120,000. No match because why? God was with Gideon. He was for Gideon. God is for me. Say, God is for me. Hallelujah. Go to Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. Hallelujah. Right before Nehemiah. Ezra chapter 8 verse 22. Notice what it says. Ezra 8:22 For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy uh, on the road because we had spoken to the king saying the hand of our god is upon us upon all those who for for good who seek him but his power and his wrath are against those who forsake him hallelujah are you for God? 
or have you forsaken God? That determines whether or not he is for you. He's not for those who have forsaken him. But here's the thing. If you've forsaken him, you can repent and come back home. Amen? You can come back home to the Father's house. He will not criticize you. He will not condemn you. He will just simply love you and welcome you and receive you. Don't be apart from God. That's a miserable life. Oh, and uh, here's another one. Where is God in relation to you? God is in you. God is in you. Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Hallelujah. I can sense that confidence is being built up in this room. Every one of you are going to face tomorrow in a different way. You're going to have a victorious mindset. You're going to say, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to win. Amen? I'm going to overcome. Hallelujah. I'm going to get the victory. I'm going to triumph. Amen? I'm going to say, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. See, now that you've declared that you're an overcomer, you've got to talk like an overcomer. You can't talk like a victim. You've got to talk like a winner. Talk like an overcomer. Talk like a champion. Muhammad Ali, he declared himself to be the champ before he ever was the champ. But guess what? He became what he declared. If Muhammad Ali can do that, what can a child of God do? John 15, verse 4. Notice what this says. Abide in me and I, where? Did you know that you have the great I am in you? You have the creator in you. You have the healer in you. You have the provider in you. You have Father God in you. You have the Lord Jesus in you. You have Holy Ghost in you. Why? Because when you accepted Jesus Christ, he moved in and he took up residence in you in the name of Jesus. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. If you are apart from God, you can't bear the fruit that you were designed to bear. You're just a, a fruitless tree. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Hallelujah. Say he abides in me and I abide in him. Glory to God. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you and he'll be in you. Glory to God. He abides in you. Amen. And then finally, well, two more. Can you take two more? You want to hear two more? Are you excited about two more? You're not sleeping, are you? All right. Where is God in relation to you? God is upon you. He comes up on you. Oh, hallelujah. You got to see this one. Go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. When God comes on you, you can do the impossible. You know, how many has ever... Held a kitten. 
You know, you can take a kitten by the back of the neck, right? And it's safe to pick them up, right? I've watched animal shows where uh, a lioness was moving her cubs, and she would put she put the back of her, you know, her the back of the cub's neck in her mouth and carry it to a safe place, right? And it was safe because they they could pick them up like that. But notice this: First Kings chapter eighteen, Hallelujah, uh, verse uh, forty-six. First Kings eighteen, verse forty-six. Notice what it says. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab in the entrance to the entrance of Jezreel. Twenty miles, he ran faster than the fastest chariots in the kingdom, because the hand of the Lord came upon him. Every judge that delivered Israel, the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord came upon Samson. It made him strong. He did great acts of strength. He did great acts of deliverance. Why? Something came upon him. Hallelujah. God will come upon you. Glory to God. Yeah, he's in you, but he'll come upon you. And that anointing will come up at at different times. That anointing will come upon you to destroy yokes. The gifts of the spirit, right? There as the spirit will. But sometimes that gift will come on you to to do something, to deliver. Deliver something to heal someone. Hallelujah. Where is God in relation to you? He's up on you. He's not like a monkey on your shoulder. No, you. he's weightless. He's like an astronaut in space, weightless. Right? They have no gravity. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Luke 4, he said, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me. Why? Because they were some, to deliver, to set free, to break things. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. Hallelujah. Just like he came upon Jesus, he comes upon us. God said, I'm going to send the promise of my Father that will come upon you. When Mary got impregnated, the Spirit of God, the power from on high came upon her. And got her pregnant, put a seed in her womb. Hallelujah. Things happen when God comes upon you. Where is God in relation to you? He's upon you. And then finally, where is God in relation to you? He is a relative of doers. God has a family of doers. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Matthew 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. He that does what? So God is a relative to those who do his will. They asked Jesus, they said, here's your mother and your brothers. He said, who are my mothers and my brothers? Those who do the will of God, they're my mothers, they're my brothers and sisters. So he's relative to doers. Are you a doer? Or are you just a hearer only? Oh yeah, I went to, I went to church today. I went to BCF. I heard a good message. You go home and you do nothing. Monday you do nothing. Tuesday you do nothing. You, you, listen, it's not just enough to hear it. You got to do it. We got to act like God is with us, like He's for us, like He's going before us, like He's upon us. Hallelujah. We got to act like it. We got to talk like it. Glory to God. 
And then finally, what would a sermon at VCF be without benefits? Because we're about inheritance, right? So I'm just going to give you the highlights. Benefits of God being with you. Number one, it brings success. Joseph had success. Why? Because God was with him. Number two, it extends kindness and favor. God is good. He extends kindness and favor. Amen? Number three, it guarantees success against all odds. Joshua versus Jericho. Or, or, or no, I'm sorry, that's the story of Gideon. It guarantees success against all odds. Did you know what? God put his money on you yes. to win. Yes. He invested his best on you to win. Yes. Amen? Yes. Number three, he makes impossibilities possible. That's from Isaiah 7 where it says, a virgin shall give birth to the Savior. He makes impossibilities possible. When God is with you, the impossible becomes possible. You can be healed. I don't care how long that sickness has plagued you. You can be healed today, in this moment, right now, immediately. Why? My God's a healer. He's a deliverer. When you know who he is, you just receive. Another benefit of God being with you, from Isaiah 41.10, he provides relief from anxiety. He gives you strength, help, and stability. Can anybody use any of those today? Another benefit of God being with you, he provides protection in troubling times. If he can provide for Elijah in a famine, can he provide for you? Absolutely. Say, God's my provider. Another benefit of God being with you, he delivers from those who are against you. Anybody ever have someone against you? Oh, yeah, we've had some people against us in 20 years of pastoring a church. But guess what? We're still here. They're not. I didn't move them out. God did. Hallelujah. We just stood our ground. We refused to quit. We refused to move. Amen? We're here. We're in our 21st year. We're not going anywhere until the Lord says otherwise. We are here. Amen? Now, we've got to grow this place. We've got to expand this place. I'm telling you, God, God's doing something here, right here at VCF. I don't know about anywhere else because I'm not there. I'm here. I know that God's doing something here. Amen? And you, you, better, start, you better start telling people what God's doing here, and, and that'll get them in. Amen? We don't have to make pretty flyers, although we should, but let's, let me tell you something. Just say God is moving here. He's the greatest advertisement of his own work. God is doing something here. I prepare as if it's all upon me, but I preach as if it's all upon the Holy Ghost. And if God wants to change my message, he's got that permission. I am not locked into my notes. If God wants to change it in a moment, I'll let him change it in a moment. I'll step out. It don't matter to me. I want, I want to encounter God. I want God's presence more than anything. Amen. I want to see people touched with God's presence and power. Amen. Our God is real. The Bible is true. What Jesus did in the Bible, he still does today because he's not dead. He's alive. He's sitting on the throne. We still have his Holy Ghost. We have the same Holy Ghost that he had. We have the same Holy Ghost that brought him out of that grave on the third day. And we're still, he's still got work to be done. 
Lives still need to be touched and changed. When uh, God shows up, when God is with you, he shows up in an atmosphere of, of agreement and unity. When, when God is with you, he gives you a powerful working partner. We got a powerful working partner. And finally, when God is with you, you're invincible. You're invincible. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, the devil tried to kill Paul. He beat him with rods three times. He stoned him and left for dead once. He shipwrecked him. Couldn't stop him. The devil did everything he could to try to prevent Paul from fulfilling his ministry. He just kept popping up, back up. He'd go to a place and preach, and the devil would ignite Jews against him. They, they said, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to eat until Paul's dead. He had... How many of you have a traveling hit squad of Jews that want to take you out? You know, that's encouraging the preachers. When you go to this place and preach, a, a hit squad might come and show up. You know, Jesus' first message in Luke 4, when he preached, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Preachers, people might want to throw you off a cliff. Good. Let them try. I'll just walk through them. Could they do it? No. Jesus, he said, you didn't take my life. I laid it down. We got to stand for Jesus. If you're not standing for Jesus, you're not standing for anything. Today is the day to come to Jesus. You want to find out who he is? You come to him. Ask him to be Lord Lord of your life. Invite him into your heart and he'll show you who he is. He'll demonstrate who he is. He'll show himself strong to you. He'll show you how much he loves you. He'll show you how important you are to him. You are valuable to God. He shed his blood for you on Calvary. He paid for all of our sin at the cross. And he did not get together a bunch of wimps. He got together a people with his strength and his power. He got a bunch of dragsters up here. Drag racers. Yeah, you got to be careful using that word today. You might, something might mean something else to someone else. No, we are drag racers. <laughs> got to be careful with that. Anybody come in here today with a need in any area of your life? God is with you. God is for you. God is in your midst. He can change it just like that. Woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus. She dealt with that thing for 12 years until she touched Jesus. Boom, she got zapped. Power went from him into her. She felt immediately that she was healed in her body. And Jesus was looking around saying, who touched me? Miracle went out, miracle working power went out, and he didn't even know who touched him. He just knew faith touched him. Amen. If you got some faith today, you can touch Jesus. And his virtue, his power can go into you and change your situation. If you need a situation changed in your life, in your family, in your finances, in your mind, first first step is you need to change from darkness to light. If you're in darkness, that means you, you don't know Jesus as Lord. You need to upgrade. I'm giving you, a, I'm, I'm inviting you to the first class today. You've been traveling coach, but you can come up to the first class today. 
I would love to introduce Jesus to you. He's my best friend, he's my closest ally, and I love him, and it would be my honor and privilege for you to meet Jesus today. So if you don't know Jesus, you've got to meet him today. He's the, great, he's the most interesting person you'll ever meet. If you need to know Jesus today, you need to come on up here. If you have a need in your life, come on up here right now in the name of Jesus. The chain breaker is here. Hallelujah. We're just putting the icing on the cake today. A lot of you already got chains broken during worship. You know, sometimes you